So you've been listening to my show for a little while, or somehow you found your way here, and you are wondering, okay, great, I have an idea of what financial therapy is, but is it for me? In this episode, I'm going to answer when you can tap in and know when it is time for financial therapy if you are the type of client that I see. Because just like all disciplines, therapy is incredibly diverse in that we've got different ways that we practice. We have different clients that we speak to and we have certain clients that are not aligned for us. So I can't say a blanket statement of you'll know financial therapy is for you when dot, dot, dot. But I can tell you who my clients are, what they are coming to me for, and some key kind of themes that I see come up for them that helps them to decide that it is time for financial therapy. Welcome to Mind Money Balance. I'm your host, Lindsay Bryan Podvin. I'm a woman of color, popcorn connoisseur, and one of the first financial therapists in the United States. This is the weekly podcast all about making money feel good in your relationship. The no guilt, no shame podcast, so you can stand in your power as a couple. Let's go. start out with a story of a couple who has come through my virtual doors. We will call them Abby and Abraham Mendoza, okay? And I want to be clear that while I have compiled some things about the Mendozas from real clients, I am not disclosing anything that is an identifier from any of my clients. What I'm really doing with the Mendozas is building out an avatar. So really, this story is fictional, It's based off of real clients that I've seen, but I am not, not, not actually telling the story of any of my clients. So any resemblance to real people in this story is coincidental. All right. So now that we've gotten that disclaimer out of the way, let me tell you about a typical couple, the Mendozas, who come into my virtual office for financial therapy. So the Mendozas are pretty typical of the clients that I see. They call or email and share with me that they have done all of the things when it comes to their money. They've been together for five, 10 years. We'll say they've been together for a decade. They've been together for a decade. They've done all the things. They've done the books, the podcasts. They've done One of the more popular ones that I hear my clients coming in from is Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. They've done that. They've read the books. They have tried the spreadsheets. They are learners. They love to soak up information. And so they are really good at learning about money. And yet there's like this energetic block that prevents them from actually iterating or implementing all of the things that they have learned. So when it comes time to sit down as a couple and they get stuck in this this little web of overthinking and being overwhelmed, and because they are 
overwhelmed with all of the ideas, all of the spreadsheets, all of the podcasts, all of the courses, they totally get frozen. And because they don't have the skills or the tools to be able to communicate that to their partner, they just get stuck. So they kind of creep up toward the edge of being able to make change in their relationship around money. And when it starts to get uncomfortable and overwhelming, they both kind of repel and they back off of it. And they are like, oh, freeze, we're stuck. We are unable to move forward. So the Mendoza's call, they tell me a story I've heard a million times. They are frozen and they just want someone to tell them what to do. And I disappoint them by saying, sorry, that's not my job, (laughs) which, you know, for a second shatters them. And then I explain to them that, look, my job is not to say there is only one way to engage in or with your money in a relationship. My job is to tell you that you have the knowledge and the tools and the expertise needed. And my job is to help you start to trust yourselves so that you can make the right financial decisions. So the Mendozas are like, okay, I can kind of get on board with that, but they're still feeling a little on edge. And then we dig into financial therapy. And the way that I do that in my work and in my office is that we first have to go back in time which I know can be so frustrating for people who are ready to just have something done, right? The Mendozas are like a lot of my clients where they're just ready for somebody to tell them what to do. So what we do is we say, all right, let's rewind the clock. Let's have each of you tell me a little bit about your story and about your relationship to and with money. And we go way back. So with Abby and Abraham, we go way back to what was going on when they were young. And when I'm saying young, I'm talking elementary aged or earlier. Because as you know by now from listening to this podcast, we soak up so much information about our belief set, about our systems in which we view the world between the ages of zero and eight. So we go back to elementary school and we ask Abby, we ask Abraham, tell me a little bit about what your childhood was like. What were the types of words that came up when money was brought up? What was the feeling in the house when something financial was discussed? And then we really dig into each of their individual relationships with money and how it might have been shaped when they were really young. And we start to do that and that allows each of them, to have some permission to say, oh, okay, I inherited this belief from my family or from the household in which I was raised. And that helps to give them a little bit of permission to take off that first layer of shame. And I want to be clear that I am not about blaming your parents or blaming your grandparents. I think there is a lot Hmm, how can I say this? I think there are a lot of therapists who engage in that type of unhelpful behavior or unhelpful approach. And they say, well, basically blame it on somebody else. And I'm not into that. I'm into saying that was hard and that shaped you. And what can we do to move forward? So just wanted to throw that in there. So anyway, we first uncover that first layer of shame because we are able to say, 
we were young, we were children. They soaked up information about money based on where they lived, based on how their parents or caregivers talked to them, based on where they went to school, based on who they played with, right? They soaked up a lot of information. Then from there, we move into the four financial archetypes, which if you've been listening, you can go back and listen to that episode. It's a nice primer on the four financial archetypes. And so then that's what we move into with the Mendozas. We say, okay, which one of you kind of falls into which category? Are you the same? Are you different? And we really help to help them understand the strengths and the challenges or the shadow side of embodying that lens of viewing money in their relationship with money. So now we have lifted up another veil of shame that had prevented them from interacting with their money in a healthy way. So we're getting closer now, right? We're starting to quiet down that overwhelm and that indecisiveness that they have presented with because now we have some language. We have a basis for which we can use to talk about and engage with their money, right? Then we are starting to move into owning and accepting their relationship with money and helping them to stand in their strength, helping them to find their own power. I, as the therapist, am not giving them power. I am showing them that they already have the power. They already can trust themselves and they have the capacity to make smart, wise financial decisions in a more holistic way. So yes, the budgeting, the saving, the spending, the retirement. Yes, we talk about that, but we also talk about the values, which then brings me to the next thing that we do with the Mendozas. So we've worked on the childhood story. We've worked on financial archetypes. And then we want to move into the values. What are the values that are important to this couple? What drives them to get up in the morning? What causes tug at their heartstrings? What are the things that really motivate them to move forward and to engage in this life in a meaningful way? Once we kind of get a hand on those values, then again, we rip off another layer of this shame because we can start to go, are you spending and saving and investing in alignment with those values? If not, let's make some tweaks, let's make some changes so that you can start to do that and start to, again, step a little bit more into their strength. So we do that. Then we get into the money piece. Then we get into the black and white. Then we get into the bookkeeping. And the reason I do this with my clients is so that we can actually engage in and with money in a way that feels good. Because remember, the Mendozas, like so many of my clients, have consumed, 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 They are constantly learning and going on information binges, but they are having a really hard time integrating, right? So once we help to alleviate some of that shame, then they can tap into all of that personal finance information that they've already consumed and start to kind of sort it out and start to integrate it into their lifestyles, right? So that is why it's so important to do some of that heavy lifting in the background so we can move forward. And the Mendoza's like a lot of my clients, they really want to build a legacy. They don't want their money 
just to serve them in the here and now. They want their money. When I talk about a legacy, that could be many things, but they want it to ripple out towards the community that's in which they live. They want it to ripple out toward the causes that are aligned with their values. If they have children, they want to help to create a a nice, solid financial stepping stone for them so that they can launch into adulthood and have that leg up, whether that means paying for their college, whether that means contributing to, you know, some art classes, whatever it may be, they really want to help cultivate legacy for their family and for their community. So that is something that is driving almost all of my clients. They don't want just, you know, to save money for the sake of saving money. They want to save money for the sake of being able to cultivate a better place, right? It sounds really out there, but they really kind of abide by that that hiking or camping mantra of like leaving the site cleaner than it was when you found it. And total disclaimer, I am not a, a camper. That's a whole nother story for another day. But that was the first kind of thing that came to mind. So, so now we've got a lot of different things going for them and we're checking back in constantly in financial therapy. We are asking them, and by we, I guess me, <laughs> I, I do financial therapy by myself. I don't have a co-therapist or a, a co-lead in this work. So anyway, so what we are doing then is saying, coming back to them and we're saying, all right, Abraham and Abby, we're saying like, what really is true? Right, So we're helping them to strengthen their own trust within themselves that they know what to do. They can make the right decisions. And again, that goes both as individuals and as a couple. So we are strengthening their trust in themselves as individuals, and we are strengthening that trust in them as a unit, as a duo. They are smart enough. They do have enough information. And so what we start to do is quiet down that negative self-talk, that little, you know, mean bully that's on their shoulder telling them that they're not smart enough or they can't do it or that money just isn't for them. And we start to really fight back against that so they can really stand in their strength as a couple, okay? So once we've really gotten there, then we're in really good shape to start cultivating and creating something that is long lasting. Because like all things, when we are adopting a new behavior, when we are adopting a new habit, the way that it becomes habitual, the way that it becomes a part of our lives, a part of our soul, a part of our routine, is that we do it again and again and again. And so for the Mendoza, like so many of my clients, they have this like burst of energy where they do all the things and then they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so burnt out. That was exhausting. And then they have a hard time re-engaging in it. So in financial therapy, what we do is we build in some systems so that they can check in with their emotions and their money again and again and again. And for each couple, that's a little bit different, but typically in financial therapy with my clients, I recommend that they talk about money and how it shows up in their relationship at least once a week when we first start out. And then we can back up those conversations to once a month and then once a quarter, right? Because we also 
one big thing that I like to help my clients do is help them to take control of their money. Too many of my clients come in feeling like their lives are being dictated by how much they earn. And my job is to help them see that, in fact, they have the power over their money. And so what I want to do is give them that opportunity to say, no, I get or we get to decide as a couple what we want our relationship with money to be like. And we have control over money. Money does not control us. So the way that we can start to feel in control of our money is we start to engage with it weekly and then monthly and then quarterly because, again, we want to create a habit. So the first few times they engage with their money or maybe the first dozen times they engage with their money, they might have some of those those emotions kind of bubble back up of the overwhelm and the indecisiveness. And then as we work through it, remember we're pulling off shame layer after layer after layer, then it becomes more powerful. That helps my clients to, to really stand in their strength and to start to be able to be curious about things without the curiosity turning into a rabbit hole. And so my clients, they they resonate with that, right? They're like, oh, I totally know how that is. It starts out with like, I'm just going to Google this one term. Actually, not even a term. Let me be a little bit more specific. I'm going to Google where we should go for family vacation. And instead of it being, I'm choosing between a weekend on the beach or a weekend in a cabin, all of a sudden I now have developed a full-on spreadsheet or table or Pinterest board full of the dozens and dozens of different places we could go, how far away they are, what the pros and cons are of getting there, right? Their curiosity just like suddenly explodes and now we're back in overwhelm because that curiosity has tipped into something that totally dominates them, right? So we want to be able to get back to being curious without it snowballing back into the overwhelm. So so that's the importance of these money dates is we remind ourselves that these money dates are going to be there weekly, monthly, or quarterly. And and that's really what I do with my clients in financial therapy. So at the end of our work together, the Mendozas are saying things like, oh, we feel so much better. We've got the capacity to communicate with each other in a a kind and truthful manner because now we have the language to use around our money. We are still eager and curious and learners, but we don't let that curiosity snowball into overwhelm. And they really start to cultivate a place of balance within their relationship, a true place of partnership within their relationship. And again, they're building out this legacy that aligns with a lot of my clients' values for justice. So the Mendozas are saying to me, oh my gosh, we feel so much better. We are able to communicate in a, in a really nice way. We are on the same page. We are doing things that we love. We're donating to causes that we love. And money, not only is money now not a stressor, it's actually a fun part of our relationship. It's actually something we look forward to engaging with because we, again, have the tools and the skills and the language that we need to engage with our money in a healthy and wise and powerful 
place. So that is a little bit of the type of couple that I see in my financial therapy practice and how I kind of move them. I don't move them. Let me take that back. How I help to move them and help to show them to trust themselves, to believe in the power that they have, to believe in the wisdom and the knowledge that they are able to consume and to be able to discern it all so that they can use it for good instead of being stuck in overwhelm. So if that story kind of resonates with you, you've done the work, you've done a lot of the thinking, but you kind of get stuck when it comes to implementing or iterating, then for Again, I can't speak for all therapists, but I would say for me as a financial therapist, that's the type of client who's a really good fit and who is telling me that they are ready, willing, and able to do more. So just a reminder that if you've been listening, I offer power sessions, power coaching sessions for anyone in the world. If you live in Michigan, I have the capacity to take on clients virtually for ongoing financial therapy. And a few times a year, I open up my flagship group coaching program called Boundless. I really love the container that has been created within Boundless. The reason that I do Boundless as a group is because a lot of my clients, they have this overwhelm, but they also have this shame and this wonder of like, are we doing this right? How are other people doing this? How do you guys talk about this? How do you guys manage it? And a part of helping people to feel good about their money you know, we're social creatures. We want to kind of check in with what our neighbors and what our family is doing, but we don't really do that with our money, right? It's so rude and impolite and taboo to talk about money in our country that we don't often do that. So with Boundless, we are able to talk about money in a way that is shame-free. We are able to hear from other people who are in similar relationships and who have similar financial situations, what they're doing, what's working for them, what didn't work for them, right? It helps to just go, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. We are not alone in this experience. So anyway... So I just wanted to throw that out there that if this podcast episode today resonated with you and you're like, oh, I feel like the Mendoza's, I really think I could use a little financial therapy. You've got a few ways to potentially work with me, whether it's in a one-time coaching session, whether it's in ongoing financial therapy, or whether it's within my group program, Boundless. So I hope that today's podcast episode helped you to kind of see what a financial therapy journey might look like if you're a couple and if you are are curious, like, is this for me? Is this for us? Like, what's the deal? I hope this helped to kind of illuminate a little bit because I know it can feel really like nebulous and weird. So I hope that that kind of fictitious story helped you to see how the financial therapy journey might work. If you love this episode, take a screenshot and tag me on Instagram at mindmoneybalance with your favorite takeaway. I love seeing what resonates with my listeners and sharing it in my stories. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'll see you next week right here. Neither the host or guests are rendering legal, accounting, clinical, medical, or other professional information. If you want professional help, please seek it out.